Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi guys, and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Siobhan, my co-host name is Levens. Hi there. <laughs> and every week we read a just ridiculously big stack of comics um, so that you know which are the ones that are good and the ones that are not so good. And you can find all the comics, both good and bad, at 310 Pitt Street in Sydney at King's Comics or kingscomics.com online. Uh, this week, we've got a whole bunch more DC Rebirth issues to get through. Uh, we've got a big stack of Marvel stuff as well. Uh, we're going to review a few uh, new hardcovers that came out last week by Neil Gaiman and Paul Dini. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, I thought we'd kick things off with an email that we received, a, a review actually on our on our Facebook page, which you can find at facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Uh, this is from a, uh, a listener called Michael Takes. He says, hi, guys. I'm down from listening to 14 comic book podcasts to three. And yes, Serious Issues is my favorite, which is interesting as I disagree with a lot of what you say. But isn't that one of the best parts of reading comics, discussing opinions? I agree. I really enjoy that comment because most of the people who I like love talking about comics with, I have very little in common with in terms of taste. Well, the like- weird thing is I actually disagree. So just- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, regarding podcast size, the bigger the better. The more books you mention, the more books I found out about that I never would have. Your podcast has gotten me into Klaus or Claws, uh, Goldie Vance, and the current Vision and Moon Knight, to mention just a few. And yes. I have to find Tales of the Dark Side, The Revisionist, and Weird Detective based on your recent episodes, but aren't at my local comic book store. You can order them online at kingscomics.com. Oh, yeah. I, w- I wish that someone <laughs> would tell us that once a week. Uh, regarding Why the Last Man, which you mentioned recently, that this was my favorite series until the ending. The ending completely ruined it for me, so much so that I cannot reread it. Have either of you have either of the same have, have either of you had the same happen to you? Keep up the great work, folks. PS read the new Batman comic. You discussed liking the new costume, being more refined, more a lycra suit, less bulky and less gadgets. Surely with today's technology and weaponry, wouldn't an armored suit be a necessity? Which question do you want to, what do you want to delve into first from Michael Takes? Thank you so much for writing in, by the yeah, way. Yeah, thank you. You can do the same by emailing us at seriousissues at kingscomics.com or finding us online, facebook.com slash seriousissuespodcast. Um, in terms of the Why the Last Man ending, I, I disagree so sincerely. I really feel like that's one of the Fuck few... you, Michael Takes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's one of the few series that really landed the ending for me. I'd love to do, because um, I don't, you know, I mean, I, I mean, 
mean, do we care about spoiling no, a really old think, series? I, I don't think we should. We need to spoil it. I think no, because it's you, an amazing series. No, I mean, I, I feel like maybe Michael dis- disliked this because it is. It's a real gut punch of an ending. It's very upsetting, and it's not like you. Yeah, no one's no one's super happy at the end. No. Um, but I just felt like it had such emotional Wait, power yeah. for me that I was like. Fuck you, Brian K. Vaughan, but I love you, but I hate you so much. I, I feel the same way, but that said, I've, I finished that book five, six years ago, mm. and I've never reread it. So Yeah. Oh, we'll see. I, I do reread it fairly regularly, but I do find the last volume quite hard. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I've i actually spoken about this in the past. I feel like Scott Snyder doesn't know how to end a comic. Yeah. Um, and that gives me a lot of trouble, not only to reread his comics. I, I love The Black Mirror. I think that's a perfect Batman comic. Absolutely. But I find a lot of his stuff that he did in the New 52 for Batman and also the American Vampire stuff, mm. I feel like I get really, really invested. Oh, my God. You know what the thing actually that destroyed me the most? Mm. What was the story that he did about um, people living underwater in the future? The Wake. The there Wake. We go. The, you wake. It, the Wake. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. It was called The Wake. Um, and uh, that one, I was so hooked. I thought it was the best the best ongoing that I was mm. reading at the time, a Vertigo comic came out about two years ago, and then the last issue was just just balls. Mm. And uh, yeah, and I now agree. I, and and, and uh, when when an ending is actually rotten, mm. you're like, oh man, why was I invested in that series at all? I often find get get that way with um, massive events, particularly Bendis. Yeah, absolutely. Events. absolutely. I always get hooked in. I'm like, oh, maybe this will be good, and then it's like, oh man, why did I think this would be yeah. good? And you feel cheated as a person. <laughs> um, so yeah, just I mean, giving th- you all this money. Those are things, but also, yeah, I mean, I think the Court of Owls is such a strong storyline, and then the last issue is just so hokey. I think it's a, like it's a real fundamental problem with um, superhero comics, and it's why like you're you say that like I never finish anything, and it's true. I very rarely finish an entire run of a superhero comic unless I love it because you just like things have to kind of end at a status quo all mm-hmm. the time, and so people very rarely get to tie things up in a very satisfactory way. Um, but I can't think of anything that I've read the last issue of that's made me go like nah, and like hated the whole thing. Gotham Central is is a is a run that we talk about a lot. Mm. Um, one of my favorite runs by um, Greg Rucker and Ed Brubaker doing the uh, what happens in GCPD, the just the regular Gotham cops that have to do their regular police work in a town full of superheroes and supervillains, um, and they ha- they basically end by having to to uh, tie into Infinite Crisis. Oh, that's tough. And uh, so all of a sudden it just gets like a bit supernatural and crazy and it kind of ends in this big disaster note. Um, there's still a cool emotional pull to the last those last issues, but the last arc is a bit of like, what what what, what comic am I reading again? Mm. Um, so that there that, that's a bummer of an ending too. Um, yeah. But I still love that. I, that. That's one of the series that I've read the most actually. So mm. yeah, there you go. Yeah, I can't really think of anything specific because uh, I pretty much just, just stop reading everything. Yeah, that's now. true. <laughs> <laughs> three quarters of the way through. I, mean, this is a, this, I hate this endings. Po- this podcast is like a test of, uh, of, of Siobhan's patience. <laughs> it really is. Um, so, re uh, your comic, your Batman's costume. Mm. Uh, well, costume. I mean, I think that Batman's one of those characters that there just needs to be a bit of a suspension of disbelief because there's no there's no realistic way that a man could actually exist like Batman. It's just not possible. And so, yeah, his cape can make him fly a little bit and he has some funny gadgets and I'm down with gadgets, but I just I don't I like him, I guess and this comes down to personal preference whereas I like Batman as a detective. You know, I like him as like a solving crimes and solving mm. mysteries. He's and, like, the world's really, greatest detective. He's the world's greatest detective. He's not the world's greatest armored car. You know, like <laughs> yeah. And I get that. Like the armored look definitely became you know was the thing in the nineties. It's become more of a thing now with the Arkham games. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I just like a cool looking costume in a comic, yeah. I, yeah. rather than like you know, like, oh that makes sense because he has to do this. Yeah, and I'm more than willing to kind of suspend my like 
you know, oh no, that, that is a really armored costume, but the armor is, um, even though it's really thin, it's like made of the strongest metal ever, and mm. he can withstand more punches than if, if it was, you know, 10 inches thick or whatever. Yeah. Like that's because comic books are just, you know, the ultimate, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that technology exists, sure. Yeah, absolutely, that's fine. Yeah. And there needs to, I guess, be like continuity of technology and stuff like that. So it all makes sense within the I universe, wanna, I, but I don't care that much. I want a sexy Batman. Yeah, at the yeah, end of the day. absolutely. We all deserve a sexy Batman. We all deserve a sexy Batman, like those Kate Beaton sexy Batman comics where he's just wearing chaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much to Michael Takes for, for writing into us, and uh, again, yeah, you thanks, can do Michael. the same by emailing us seriousissues at kingscomics.com or facebook.com slash seriousissuespodcast. Onto the show. Hell yeah. Let's begin reviewing this big stack. I was extremely excited to have a slightly smaller stack. Mm. Um, last week we had what like thirty-two comics to get through, and I was like, this whole time I'm like, oh, don't worry, I'm going to go away for most part of this week and come back and only have two days to read my comics but it'll be fine it's a smaller stack that small stack ended up being 26 issues um and also was completely marred by the fact that um dc released a um like ultimate collection heart soft cover edition of darwin cook's masterpiece the new frontier oh boy which i decided that i would have to reread that for the you just have time. to every time it comes like every time you see it you're like ah well better reread yeah it. I, I, we're going to talk about that collection after we do all the new reviews, but like, if you haven't bought it already, just stop listening to this podcast and go out. Or you can do it while you're on the train on the way to, yeah. to your comic book store. Buy the new Frontier, this new collection. Apparently, it's already sold out Yeah, the first DC. print run is already sold out at Diamond, which is pretty crazy. So, if you want a copy, get in quick. This is going to be one of those legacy books that's just always available. Though. Absolutely. I'm, I hope yeah. so anyway. They'll it's, do a new printing. This soon. is such a good collection. Yeah. DC, the new Frontier by Darwin Cook. Go get it. Um, first things first is the segment in which we review all of the new number one issues that came out this week. Mm-hmm. And guess who put out the most number ones for the 10th week running? Or oh, no, third, fourth? How long has Rebirth been going on? Four weeks, I think. I yeah, I guess. Four weeks of, uh, of Rebirth. Happy birthday. Happy fourth birthday to Rebirth. <laughs> do, these, do these ones still count as issue ones? Because aren't we, aren't we two issues into the new runs of Action Comics and... Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we'll move them to later in the segment. Oh, you're right. Sorry. Okay, you're throwing them sorry, over here. Sorry, saw them on the top of your pile. Thank you so much. You're right. So, okay, we, we got three number ones this week. Um, we got the rebirth issues of them two weeks ago or something. Mm-hmm. They are The Flash, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman. Um, let's start with Aquaman. Oh, man. You know what? I, I just realized I didn't read Aquaman. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, so, uh, Aquaman, number one, written by Dan Abnett and uh, drawn by Brad Walker. Um, we did not like the Rebirth issue very much. No, so I'm interested to see what you have to say about Um This is an improvement. It still feels like more of the same. And I also find the cover very funny in that it's Aquaman and his two mm-hmm. adversaries, Ocean Master and... Um, What's his name? Black Manta. Black Manta, and they're all they're all holding spears. Like that's the only <laughs> spear-heavy society. The only thing that you can use underwater is a spear. Um, but this is, uh, I mean, they're, they're kind of trying to do something fresh and new with Aquaman, but it's very mired in everything that you already know about mm. Aquaman. Like, I mean, in my head, if you want to do something new with Aquaman, you don't have it be about the relationships between the surface and and, and Earth. Yeah, you would do something like I kind of like what they're doing with the all new Inhuman series at the moment like again that's quite flawed as well and I mean a lot of people are like no more fucking Inhumans anyway yeah. so people aren't giving that book the chance that it deserves but I love that they're kind of like you know introducing us to the, all of these new Inhuman characters and mm-hmm. you kind of get to know their different powers and how they exist as a as a team I want them to just give us an underwater team because you, you are like yeah well they did actually do that in um I got excited because there was a book called Aquaman and the Others, I think, that was out through DC last year. And I was like, cool, okay. They're expanding Aquaman's, like, universe. They're bringing in this team of kind of superheroes. But then it was just kind of, like, it was a good idea, but poorly realized, I think. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I want to see, like, you know, this this underwater society. I want to meet more people in this. And you do. 
um, and and then bad things happen to that one person that you get expanded mm. and expanded knowledge of. But I mean, look, this is this is about um, someone from the the British naval, basically that they're. they're the, the link between the earth and the surface world they're meeting there to kind of discuss further relations and you know how to improve the relationship between surf the, between the surface and the underwater world and um wouldn't you know it black manta rears his head and ruins everything oh black manta and we get yet another rebirth number one in which uh the main character may or may not be dead at the end of the issue i think he might be <laughs> <laughs> um Again, just like the case of the, the thing I felt about Green Arrow, like this is like a, a pretty strongly written comic in which mm. way too much happens. Yeah. Um, I feel like people, you know, when, when you get introduced, when, when, when you relaunch a series from number one, I mean, this is me saying it as someone that reads heaps of comics a week, like you people, there's a grace period that you mm. allow where you can have a slightly boring, not as action packed few first issues mm. because people are aware oh this is a new creative team a new status quo mm-hmm. you know you need to know more about this world before you see everyone fucking die in it um, yeah but i also see the other end that like, you know it is a problem to- where like if, if sales don't you know do really well immediately the big two tend to just cut things at six issues or 12 issues so i can understand them wanting to be like ah look at all this stuff look at how exciting this book is but i just think it's um it's just not that good. I don't know what... I don't know. I feel like the the Atlantis has never been what I want it to be in, in yeah. the Aquaman comics. You know, it's just never a cool enough version of what it could be. Just I mean, stop doing the Earth versus sea stuff. Just let yeah, us let yeah. us see. Because I'm, obviously I live on Earth, so fuck the sea. I know. And they're always talking <laughs> about how like... Uh, like always in Aquaman comics when they try and make it serious, they're like, oh, the ocean covers so much of the world. Well, then show me that. Show exactly. me that. That's way yeah, more yeah. interesting. I already know what... like. Santa Monica Pier looks like or whatever wherever he keeps hanging out at like we know what America looks like yeah well look I'm, I'm a very very generous giving person so I'm going to give all of these new DC books to the end of the first arc Ooh. Before, I, before I drop it that's um, impressive because I've I mean, like, apparently already dropped Aquaman yeah, by accident so <laughs> you didn't even get to number one <laughs> so yeah uh, let's move on to uh, number one of The Flash um, by uh, is it Josh Williamson Joshua Williamson and Carmen D. Juan Domenico. Nailed it. Uh, now, two weeks ago when we spoke about this creative team, it's particularly Josh, Joshua Williamson, we came up trumps. We didn't think of anything good that Joshua Williamson had actually done before because we weren't looking hard enough. He is the writer of Nailbiter. Ah. So he's a very accomplished writer in his own uh, creative own creative yeah. own stuff. Not um, someone I would expect to want to write The Flash. He's quite a happy-go-lucky character. Yeah. Yeah. This was um, a really, really strong issue, I think. Um, I agree. It's kind of, they've kind of made it apparent that um, all of the Rebirth issue written by Jeff Johns, all of the, you know, the, the uh, at least the, I don't know if the, we're going to see like the Watchmen show up in this, in this car- in this comic, but I feel like a lot of the things that were introduced in that Rebirth issue number one, um, we're going to see dealt with in here. Particularly, mm. obviously, you know, you've got Wally West returning back to the world, so Absolutely. he's going to feature in this Flash comic. But this number one is all about Barry Allen. And um, we're introduced to his one of his partners as a in forensics, mm-hmm. um, and uh, kind of deals with him. You know, he's the fastest man alive, but he's always late to things because he's trying to do too many things. Classic, I love that. Um, and uh, I mean, I haven't watched much of the Flash TV show, but I would imagine this is a, mo- a lot more in line with that than the New Fifty Two Flash was. Um, probably, yeah. probably more in line, more in line in terms of vibe, I guess. I quite like the Flash TV series. I've only seen season one, but I thought it was pretty great. Uh, and you know, it's it's got a huge fan base. It's one of, one of the most successful um, comic book TV shows on at the moment. Mm. Um, so it makes sense for them to kind of have more similarities between the worlds. Um, the art style was was like it's great. It's not DC in house style at all. It, no. has, it has its own style to it. I don't love um, photoshopping the 
weird speed lines all over Barry Allen's costume at all times. Like, Yeah, because I don't understand why it's only on his costume. If it's part of the Speed Force, why isn't he covered in it all the time? Well, because when they re- redid his costume for New 52, they draw those unnecessary lines all over it because Jim Lee Jim did a Lee. bunch of coke. And <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, a, he's a nice family man. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I, I think this is a, this is a really really great start to a flash run. At the Absolutely. end of the day, I was just happy to be reading a flash book again. Yeah, I know, right? Isn't it, isn't it? It's a delight. It's a delight to be enjoying the flash again. And, um, um, it looks like this new arc is going to be um, dealing with uh, different people in Central City getting flash powers, and cool. the first one to get them is his forensics partner. So um, yeah, we're going to see how he's dealing with that. More speedsters. And I like the I like the idea of when you're hit with flash powers, you are. The, your entire life flashes before your your eyes, mm. including like the end of your life. Had you not gotten flash powers, yeah. and then you are then kind of uh, inspired to do as much as you can with your new new gotten powers once you come out of your flashback. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm loving. I oh, know. First of all, one thing I'm hating at the end of all of these uh, new DC rebirth issues is that the last like ten pages, oh. the right page is an ad. Yeah. And it's always an ad for a new number one coming out next month or whatever. Um, so there's, you know, you've got your Red Hood book, Nightwing, the Titans. Um, and I was getting really angry at it. I'm like, they better not keep doing this right to the end. They do. But then they're like, the second last one is the new Superman book. It's a great written looking by cover. Gene huh? Luen Yang about the Superman of China. Fuck, this book looks so good. Yeah. And I'm pretty excited that it's, uh, this is going to be one of the rare monthly only issues. So not a, not a uh, twice a month book. Oh, nice. That is good news. Um, yeah, so very excited for new Superman number one, but we don't get that for another month. Let's talk about Wonder Woman number one, written by Greg Rucker with art by Liam Sharp. Um, and with the uh, 75 years of Wonder Woman logo proudly displayed on uh, on the front cover. But why doesn't Wonder Woman get her own week like Batman does? Give her a week. Yeah, I know, right? I think, I think they are actually planning more stuff later in the year okay, for cool. Wonder Woman. All right, I'll hold my tongue. Um, I want to kick this off by saying, because like, we, we already give Greg Rucker enough props every single week. Mm. Liam Sharp's art in this. Nails it. Because when they, when they announced that this book was going to be written, um, the first issue was, the, the, the odd issues were going to be written by Liam Sharp and the uh, um, even issues were going to be written by Nicholas Scott. We focused only on Nicholas Scott and how excited we were that, to have her write Drawing Wonder Woman again. I did not think, I don't, I don't know Liam I didn't think Sharp, I was going to enjoy Liam Sharp at all. Holy shit, this is the... Like, such incredible art. It's so beautiful. It really it has, like, a very sort of 90s vertigo vibe, I feel, in the kind of mm. dark, sketchy, and his um his incredibly detailed faces and good monsters and, and a good Diana. Great colours by Laura Martin, too. Great well, I think he's going to be doing um, the colours for Nicholas stuff, too. Um, so there will be a nice kind of thematic kind of bringing them two mm. together through the colours. Um, this <sighs> story, um, so the Rebirth Wonder Woman issue was a bit of a kind of, like, uh, all over the place, kind yeah. of. But the end, 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 end result of it was like saying that, you know, doesn't matter what you've heard of Wonder Woman so far. There, you know, she's a legend. So there's all these different stories of how mm. she came to be. Um, she's she wants to get to the bottom of it and figure out who she is, who she is in this world, what her beginning. And obviously, this is going to tie into them telling the Year One story mm-hmm. in the Nicholas Scott drawn issues. Um, so I mean, that, usually that that trope of like I need to figure out who I am. Um, is annoying, uh, yes. but but I think we, knowing that the, we are going to get this year one story, it makes sense then for them to do it. And because she is a mythical character, I think that you can kind of work on that slightly meta. Mm. What is my true story level? Then works. It works quite well, better than with some other characters. I really like this version of um, Cheetah that they've brought in. Yeah, so Cheetah That's is very. You cool. finally see her on the last th- last page, but then she she calls out. Uh, this might show my ignorance when it comes to a. Uh, uh, 
to Wonder Woman stuff, but did she call Cheetah Themyscira at the end, or is that just her exclaiming Themyscira? That's her, yeah. That's her just, like, stopping her saying, I can't find it, and then she calls her Barbara Ann. Okay, cool. Why does she say Themyscira? um, Because I think she's saying she can't find find the island. But does she call Cheetah Themyscira? Oh, she can't find the... Oh, the island is called Themyscira. Okay, cool. All right, thank you very much, Wonder Woman fan. Now I'm I'm on board. I thought so. I'm like, I don't don't think Cheetah's name is Themyscira. Um, (laughs) There's a couple of interesting things in this. Um, It's a very different... I mean, we're we're being thrown in... uh, Because I haven't really been following... um, Wonder Woman that recently, except for Legend of Wonder Woman. So they set up a couple of things like Etta is um, in what the CIA or the the military. Etta Candy wants like uh, you know Dolly, big kind of just like Wonder Woman's mate is now is now pretty much Amanda Waller. Yeah, basically because like I mean I don't know because I like I like Etta Candy as being a little bit of a human influence for Diana, a bit of a lighthearted influence. I love her in Legend of Wonder Woman. I think that it works really well, having a little bit of comic relief mm. and something occasionally serious. So I don't know how I feel about her now being a quite a straight character. But uh, she we seems have, like we're a yet little see, bit more fun. Than, we're than, yet to see her interact with Diana as well, so we don't know what, what their relationship is. Um, very badass Steve Trevor with a beard. Yep. Good relationship between Edda and Steve, I thought, as well. Yeah, and, and it looks like we're going to have a lot of military angle in this in mm. this, this book too, which could be interesting. I've never seen that alongside Wonder Woman before, and it makes yeah. sense. She's, she's a warrior. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be a really, really fun run, I think. Yeah. We're going to delve deep into the uh, backstory of Wonder Woman and tell some new stuff as well. So I'm on board. I can't wait. I can't wait for to see how this story balances the year one and the, and the current day stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good, it's a very sort of cool, strong version of Diana, and I think a lot of that comes down to Liam Sharp. He, he draws a good, muscly... Good muscly lady, and I'm into it. Yeah, so we get the three weeks. In three weeks, we get the um, the year one story with Nicholas Scott. So looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, my least favorite page of every DC book for like the last three months. Um, I don't understand how this fucking company has enough money to maintain so funny, this level of advertising. But I mean, they even they had the back covers of all of the rebirth issues. Mm. It's a card game called Simon's Cat, and like <laughs> it looks like a bunch of poly cartoon like cats. I don't understand. It's a frantic freelance fandango. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, I'm very ignorant when it comes to the world of cards, but I do not understand how something with such like poor art style yeah. <laughs> is so massive. I don't know. Sorry to any Simon's Cat fans out there. Just kidding. Fuck you. <laughs> um, I do love. I do love complaining about ads in comics. Yeah, good. It's probably my favorite. Should be. That's my favorite ongoing segment on serious <laughs> issues. Um, okay, outside of DC Rebirth this week, we got quite a few number ones. Mm. Uh, let's kick off with uh, let's. I'm, I'm already complaining. I may as well keep. Yeah, might as well. Star Wars: The Force Awakens number one, the graphic uh, comic treatment, uh, written by Chuck Wendig. Well, not really written, adapted by yeah. Chuck Wendig, and uh, art by Luke Ross. Uh, Siobhan, what did you think of this mess? Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I didn't finish it, I'll be honest. I got a couple of pages in and I went, wow, this is really lazily written and like barely, like if you hadn't seen the movie, it wouldn't make any sense, which really annoys me because I was fully, I'm, I mean, we loved that Sherlock adaptation, which was pretty Absolutely. much an exactly like and I, word I, for word adaptation. I, and I've read adaptations of Star Wars uh, yeah, movies like, that, that, I, that I've loved, but um, yeah, this is a... Uh, this is not, like I don't know. It's I, just, it seems, uh, it's, the overall, yeah. the, the narration of how he introduces everybody in this is so crap. This yeah, is like blah, you blah, could blah. have just told the story. That slower. is da, da, da. like oh totally. And uh, but the, I mean, it's baffling that this even exists now. Mm. Like, why didn't this come out in between the movie, like the cinema release and the, the Blu-ray release? Yeah. Like I've had the Blu-ray for like three months now. 
I don't don't need to read a version of a movie I've already watched too many times. (laughs) But uh, I don't. I actually quite liked Luke Ross's art um, throughout this. Yeah. Um, Is it the same person at the beginning as at the end? Yes, that's what I mean. So it starts off not very strong, but then it gets quite strong. As soon as you get on Jakku with Ray and BB 8, it's awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, hopefully. Once this is done, he gets put on some other Star Wars books because he's he's got it. It's like somewhere if if Chris Sumney did like photorealistic mm. kind of yeah, portrayals absolutely. of characters, I really I really enjoyed that. But um, unfortunately, this is let down in the in the, in the writing, and I guess the structure of the panels as well is not that great either. But yeah, uh, don't bother, honestly, guys. There are a couple of really nice um, variant covers. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> some, look, there's, and then there's, and there is some pretty good art throughout. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm not going to bother reading any more of this. No, me neither. Um, I know a lot of Star Wars fans that like. I mean, that's the thing. You can just keep putting this out, and like People Star Wars it. fan base will just keep buying it because you have to. You completists. You know yeah, I mean? absolutely. So, good <laughs> work. How, good how work. The comics Marvel. industry works. I don't even need to make these good. Who cares? Um, Marvel also put out Deadpool versus Gambit number one, uh, which I v. thought would be trash. Yeah, and I mean, because neither of us are um, a particularly big Deadpool or Gambit fans. No. Um, this is written by uh, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Who are the two guys responsible for the Thrilling Adventure Hour um, podcast? They do a oh. bunch of uh, radio plays, and they've made their the trick trek over to comics in the last couple of years, um, writing various specials and one shots um, for Marvel here and there. Um, and also recently, uh, one of the Ackers or Blackers uh, is writing the King's Quest book for Dynamite. I think it's Acker. Acker, yeah, cool. Just because um, I recognize the name. <laughs> um, art, art artist is uh, Danilo Beirut, which I really liked on this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is basically um, Deadpool and Gambit are at a, in line for a coffee and um, see each other. And they go to reach for their weapons because they can't remember how they left their last yeah. meeting, <laughs> um, which is an amusing premise. And then most of this is a flashback to their last meeting, which involves them pretending to be Daredevil and Spider-Man in order to steal some jewels. Um, and it's... Like the the first the first half of this is really amusing, really really, really fast moving, and then by the end of it, you're like, oh fuck, why did I start reading a Deadpool comic? But if you're already a Deadpool fan, like you'll love this, you'll eat this up. It's 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 very well written, fun comedy caper featuring Deadpool. I don't know if this is true to the version of Gambit that I'm familiar with, but um, it's a funny version of Gambit, you sure. know. Like, I mean, I guess it depends which way you take the character, and I like the I like him as a bit of a thief and a bit of a. Bit of a rogue. Yeah, I, I thought. I, I. I. mean, I didn't even hate this all the way through. I think it's quite. Funny. Oh, I certainly didn't hate it, but you like you. Yeah, it does get to the point where the constant Deadpool quipping is like just eye roll worthy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I think that I think for me, Deadpool. I cannot read like a solo Deadpool book. Right. I just don't. I don't care about him enough as a character like that. But in sort of teams or against other characters in the Marvel Universe I find him quite funny like I really liked um, like in Uncanny X-Force the great of course everyone, everyone, everyone brings him back to that yeah it's the perfect it's the perfect use of him as a character Definitely. and I think this kind of works as well I don't know if he works very well in Uncanny Avengers which I'll get to later no I agree um, he makes a very strange reference in this week's issue actually um, but uh, yeah this is this is a fun little run um, that said I don't know if I'm going to bother reading any more of these because I feel like I've gotten everything I could get out of it in the first issue yeah uh, I don't know. I'll probably I'll flick through the next couple of issues. The art's so good, and the, look, the writing is great too. And the, the, Ben Acker and Ben Black are clearly fans of the Marvel universe, yeah. and, and you know have have pretty much you know an endless list of jokes for every single character within it yeah, that absolutely. they can't wait to get out. So there's a level of excitement there. For and sure. it's so funny because these Deadpool versus books have been like selling like unbelievably. Like it is up to seven printings of the first issue of um, Deadpool versus Spider Man. So. 
you know. It's called Spider-Man and Deadpool. Oh, whatever. <laughs> they're not they're not fighting. They're trying not to fight in that book. <laughs> I, I I think we should because that comes out this week. The new one of that. I'm gonna yeah. make you read it because yeah. it's a new it's a new new starting point. Oh, really? We can see how how how, uh, how patient you are with it. Right. <laughs> um, another Marvel book this week. Um, Civil War 2, Choosing Sides, number one. Now, in theory, this book should get zero out of five because, again, this is not a civil war yet mm. and no one in this fucking book <laughs> chooses a side. That's like a blatant lie from the get-go. But Absolutely true. you should still get this book because it features not the drawing debut of Declan, Declan Shalvey, but rather the writing review of mm. Declan Shalvey, um, most famous for his collaborations recently with Warren Ellis in Moon Knight and Injection and um, just fantastic covers for Marvel over the last couple of years as well and just a great artist in his own right. Um, this he does he tells an awesome. It's a little uh, anthology book. Um, the ongoing story throughout all these issues is going to be um, the Declan Shelby written and drawn Nick Fury story, mm-hmm. and it's so good. Yeah, it's really good. I'm genuinely really intrigued by this and going to pick up the next couple of issues mostly just to read that. Yeah, I think so it's um very. You, bas- you basically cool. have Nick Fury brought brought in for a mission that only he can do, um, and uh, immediately finds out that his team. Uh, not actually S.H.I.E.L.D. members. They're imposters working for a, a shadowy organization mm. a- akin to S.H.I.E.L.D. and he's the target of their most recent attacks. So you have him escaping them and uh, going on a new a new fun Nick Fury journey. Um, I really, really loved it. The art goes without saying is fantastic. Really great. And uh, I don't understand why this wasn't just collected as one story and put out as a Nick Fury comic because I feel like more people that read Marvel comics need to get more used to this version of Nick Fury. Yeah. Um, this is the Samuel L. Jackson version of Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Whose origin I'm still slightly confused about. I don't think that's important anymore. No, I think you just, I think I think you don't you don't get people in like you know more up to date with him by telling the origin of him again. You just tell more mm. stories using him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we also get uh, a story of a character called Night Thrasher who I've never fucking heard of. Before. Never heard of Night Thrasher. Who's Night Thrasher? They're bringing back all the new warriors. He was like the new warriors when they were like the coolest team with like speedball. Yeah, yeah, I've never read he, new warriors. See, Nate loves new warriors, so I've read new warriors. Shouts to but he used to um, he used to ride a skateboard. But now it's like a high tech skateboard. This Very wasn't cool the best. Stuff. No, Thrasher comic of all time. But was this is this setting up for him coming back? Because at the end of I the know, book, I hope so. He saves someone. And um, she's like, you know, she, he saves like a little girl who is moving from Baltimore to New York. Um, and she was like, you know, what are you going to do now? Because this place is a mess. And then she goes, so is Baltimore. And then it says the end. So I don't <laughs> understand if that was just someone wanting to shit on Baltimore or we're going to get uh, a Night Thrasher in Baltimore comic in the, ne- in, the, in the next little while. I don't mind, you know, so. I don't mind these anthology books setting up... Um, no. Setting up future future series, we, I'd, I'd much rather they do it here than in the actual event. I hate that final issue oh, of yeah. events where it's like, see what happens in this series. Um, but yeah, then we also we finally get like a pretty amusing uh, damage control story. <laughs> I really liked this. Yeah, it was really funny. It was written by um, Chad Bowers and Chris Sims, uh, with art by Leonardo Romero, and the Night Thrasher story was written by Brandon Easton, with art by Paul Davidson. But yeah, the damage control are, are the team that you bring in when. Uh, the Avengers fuck too much shit up and someone's got to clean up all their mess. Um, and it features a great cameo from uh, the, the unhuman... What's his name? Like, Troll. Troll, Troll, Troll the Troll, unhuman. Um, who is a, a being that can possess machinery. Um, and he's making a family. It's very cute. Um, I, I want an ongoing damage control yeah, comic. I, like, I, would, I would very happily read an ongoing damage control comic with that creative team. Because yeah. I really thought that was funny. And Chris Sims knows so much about... The DC and Marvel universe. Yeah, because, because NBC 
on uh, in, in in the states are doing a uh, what's the what's the uh, DC the DC one is called Demi- Powerless Powerless and it's about their version of the guys that have to t- clean up after the superheroes yeah they're like an insurance company that deal with that stuff I think it looks quite funny it's got Alan Tudyk Vanessa yeah. Hudgens America's um, sweetheart Vanessa Hudgens yeah um, Danny Pudi did you already say Danny Pudi yeah yeah, yeah. No, he's in it I didn't Abed say from uh, Community yep. Um yeah, I feel like, you know, Marvel loves stealing the wind out of DC sales, so it would be amazing. If They've they been just... talking about doing a Damage Control TV series. Just do and it. And I think DC took the wind out of their sails, so Get it'd be, back. it'd be great if they did it. You know what's crazy is that all of the marketing for Civil War Two features either Star-Lord or Rocket Raccoon on, on the cover mm-hmm. and stuff, and they have not shown up in the main story or any of the side things yet, so yeah. what's going on there? They just love putting Guardians of the Galaxy on stuff because cause of movies. Yeah. Obviously, but... Um, so I think we, we, we all, did you read this on Lucas yeah, Stand? Yeah, I did. Lucas Stand is a new comic from Boom. Um, it's written by, sorry, created by Kurt Sutter, who created Sons, Sons of Anarchy. Anarchy. Um, and, uh, was written by, uh, Kurt Sutter with Caitlin Kittredge and illustrated by Jesus Hervas. Um, it's out through Boom. It's a six issue limited series. Uh, and it is about a grizzly, um, vet who, uh, took a few bullets in Afghanistan and um, he's addicted to drugs. Yeah, his military career is over, so now he numbs his pain with, with his addictions, and um, just does nothing good in this world, um, and decides to end his life. But then is visited by a mysterious figure, who wants to send him back in time to complete missions. Yeah, I yeah, I sort of enjoyed this. That was, but was I was that you also... just saying yeah twice to <laughs> impress that I managed to wrap up the series as well as I just did. Yeah, basically, because <laughs> I mean it was, it was a confusing one to read like it's just dense oh, it was, it was uh, but I, I also like I mean I, I, and obviously intentionally a lot of it is left unexplained but you're really put in the middle of a story where you're like I have no idea what's going on yeah and I don't understand why you're in the past suddenly and he's much more okay with it than than you are I would be <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, I, I, I've got some good faith in, in Boom's recent output that I will yeah. give, I'll give this a chance I'll, I'll read the second issue yeah absolutely I'll read I, the second issue I've never watched an episode of Sons of Anarchy though um, so I don't know if that, that's something that, I, that appeals to me or not. I don't think it appeals to me. I, I, I don't love anarchy, but I do have a son. So <laughs> See, I love anarchy, but I hate all sons. So. <laughs> uh, cool. Lucas Stand, number one of six. I'll read number two of six as well. Um, we both read an issue of each of these series that neither the, the other one didn't. Oh, you didn't read this? You didn't put it in my goddamn pigeonhole. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's your fault. Uh, Siobhan, of course, is talking about Rich Tomasi's She-Wolf. It's really good. I like Rich Tomasi. I like the last series that he did. This is obviously like... What it was the last one he did? Um, I, did, see, I, I said I did, that because I, I couldn't think of it. <laughs> I did this to you last last week, too, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Google it. Uh, Dark Corridor is what it was called, sorry. It was sort of a crime... had a couple of ongoing stories within it. Yep. And I thought it was quite cool. It's mostly good because of his art. He's yep. got a very sort of... Um, Unique art style, and this is almost uh, painted, isn't it? And it's Rich Tommaso, yeah, isn't Rich it? Rich Tommaso, uh, sorry. My, my, my bad. I, I was sorry. thinking of Peter Tommasi. Um, but so this is sort of um, a female werewolf story. Really enjoyable if you like werewolf stories. I think it's really good. We we had it bagged on the shelf because the guys were like, "Ah, oh, there's like a weird werewolf sex scene." I don't actually think it's a sex scene. I think it's a I think it's a death scene. There is, there's, oh, just, yeah. there's just nudity, is there's all. A, there is a nudity. So, so a little bit of inside info. Um, who, who, who's, who's, which staff member's job is it <laughs> to read all the potentially naughty books? It is one of... It is 
whichever Scott gets there first. <laughs> so one of the Scots, um, as you know, King's Comics um, has to have at least two Scots on staff at yeah, all times. Yeah, it's really important. Um, and it's, it's their job to go through all of the uh, potentially mature books <laughs> and make sure that any book with nudity in it gets a, uh, a bag around it and yeah. sticky tape. So young readers who are in, like completely unable to undo sticky tape. They will never get it. You don't, they will you don't never learn get until you're that. 18. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, they'll, they'll never get to see the wangs. Uh, but also they bag and bo- they bag uh, variants. Yes, we do bag variants. Not because of nudity, because of, <laughs> because every because variant of rarity. Has, has a dick on it. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to find it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she will. Should I, should I read this too? I think you should. should I, I think it's really copy? cool. Yeah, absolutely. You should steal my Even copy. though there's no werewolf sex? There's no werewolf. Just werewolf sorry, naked you. death. Just were- yeah, just nude werewolf death. But it's good. I liked it. Um, I also read the uh, bagged copy- comic in my hand right now because it was a variant of Action Man. Oh, yeah. So uh, surprisingly, the greatest hero of them all. That's right. That's all I remember of Action Man too. A, a toy line. This is one of IDW's n- many um, new comics that are based off of toy lines. Um, now that they've, they've acquired that Hasbro license. And this is leading up to a massive event in which all of the toy lines come together called Revolution, <coughs> um, which looks to include Rom and the Transformers and G.I. Joe and Power Micronauts. No, no Power Rangers. Yeah, that's boom. Yeah, it's um, and, uh, and Action Man's deep in the middle of, of this crazy scenario. But uh, none of those guys are in this except Action Man. This is a really actually like surprisingly, this, this comic had was way better than it, than it should have been. Isn't that weird when that happens? Um and there's a lot of comic in it too. There's no ads until like the last page. Oh, the comic nice. starts on the inside cover. Nice. And just throws you right in the middle of action in which the action man that everyone has grown up with and, and loves sacrifices his life huh. to save um, the world and in doing so appoints the next action man. Nice. So it's like a, uh, a legacy of action men. Um, and he is like a younger, more tech-focused um, recruit. And basically this, this comic is about him trying to prove himself to... Uh, Cool. To, yeah, to to the the the, the world, I guess, um, as, as to be as, as as worthy as the last action man was, and you kind of see him get given a weird new mission and try and live up to his his older guy's greatness. Um, yeah, I think this is a cool series. I'm, I'm probably going to keep reading this. Nice, bizarre. That is weird. Um, and of course, uh, Action Man's uh, forever nemesis was Doctor X. And uh, he's somewhat responsible for the death of the action man in this, um, but he too might be dead. So, will will Doctor X show up? Certainly Probably. not. <laughs> uh, so that's all the number ones this week. Um, uh, some pretty some, good ones. Some good ones. Definitely. Yeah, there's a couple I'll definitely keep reading. Um, definitely keep reading. She Wolf, Wonder Woman, The Flash. Probably even Deadpool vs. Gambit. Yeah, and and the Choosing Sides comic as well for the Declan mm. Shalvey stuff. Uh, we move on now to the regular comics, the boring regular issues from. Uh, Number one, we go all the way up to number 958 <laughs> of uh, Action Comics, uh, written by uh, Dan Jurgens with art by um, old mate Zercher. Um, you know what? Before we talk about this, I want to talk about um, the 52nd I- issue of uh, this previous uh, Justice League run. Um, of course, Justice League in the New 52 was written by Jeff Johns, mm-hmm. um, but the just issues 51 and 52 are like these weird filler issues that they've added just so they reach... 52 of, of, of the new 52's Justice League. Um, and so issue 52 of Justice League is written by Dan Jurgens, who's doing the action comics run now and did a lot of Superman stuff in the new 52. Mm-hmm. He was also responsible for the Green Arrow that everybody hated at the start of uh, new 52. But he definitely understands the world of Superman and he writes a great Lex Luthor. Oh, I like that art as well. Dude, who's the, on art? Oh, so the art is like a very, very like throwback 90s team. 
Um, you've got Tom Grummet on pencils. Nice. And then um, Scott Hanna is one of the inkers, um, Danny Mickey and Mark Morales. Uh, this, nice. this book is awesome because it basically shows, you know how we were talking about with Action Comics um, uh, two weeks ago, 957, how um, you see Lex Luthor like, show up to be the new Superman mm. and then immediately he's usurped by the old Superman coming yeah. back. Uh, this is an entire issue about why Lex decides to become Superman following the death of Superman and the rest of the DC universe's reaction to that and, you know, what, what kind of different Superman he is. Hmm. Um, what was his reason for becoming Superman? Um, he, uh, like, I mean, he does want to, he, he wants to become what everyone viewed Superman as. <laughs> of course. But the, the, the thing is like Lex Luthor, he's, he's an incredible character hmm. when he's written purely as a villain it's not what he deserves. Absolutely. He need you need to be like he needs like you know imagine like like how Kingpin is portrayed in the Daredevil TV series. Absolutely. Or like know, he's, the, he the, thinks that he's trying to get the same thing that Daredevil is. The Azarello Libermejo Luther book, the yeah, standalone yeah, yeah. graphic novel. I always think that's like a I love that book and I think that's an amazing example of like Luther thinks he's right. Like he no one's the villain of their own story. Like even when he starts ludicrous groups like the secret villains against Justice League yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know like <laughs> He he really thinks he's in the right, and it's like always cool to see someone doing a slightly more yeah. varied look at him. So I, I would like, even though like I've I've not read much of the Justice League run before, is you don't need to. All you need to know is that um, uh, that you know Superman died, and uh, Lex Luthor um, stole a bunch of tech from Darkseid after Darkseid died at the end of the Darkseid War, and in, in, and in fact was actually meant to take his throne apparently oh. which actually sounds really interesting and maybe yeah, I should read really all of this Justice League run hmm. um, but uh, yeah this is, issue 52 of Justice League was was a really really cool issue if you want something to tie in to the new uh, Superman stuff yeah cool I'll probably read that <clears throat> which again kind of shows what a mess DC is at the moment <laughs> when it comes to like numbering stuff and what you should and shouldn't be reading yeah really um, I just wish they kind of did it all from, from the ground like you know they, they all did yeah. Started from number one, but whatever. They're trying to yeah. spread it out. Um, move on to Action Comics number 958, also written by Dan Jurgens with art by Patrick Zercher. Um, this was definitely a better issue than the last issue of Action Comics. Um, and it certainly lived yeah. up to uh, the name of Action Comics in that this was pretty much just a fight scene from start to finish and like a bit sloppily drawn in some parts. But, yeah, it's not my favorite art. But it was, um, it was still fun. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, I still am confused as to what's going on with this, you know, imposter Clark Kent and, yeah. and, and then they do a recap page on this and it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot going on in mm. the Superman world. So it doesn't really feel like a fresh start, but you know, we've worked out what's happening, yeah. I guess, more or less. So it, it, it's, it's, it's easy enough to follow once you kind of get your head around this new status quo, but the new old status quo. Um, <laughs> so basically uh, it's a fight between uh, Doomsday, Superman and Lex Luthor as Superman as watched by Jimmy and Clark Kent, who mm. is not Superman. And then secretly observed by Mr. Oz. Oh, is that who that is? Yeah. Right, oh, sure. Mr. Oz who, who is probably going to end probably up being Ozymandias. Ozymandias. Right, sure, from Watchmen. Um, I like this. I like this. I mean, I'm, I, I just find the obsession with Doomsday really boring because I think he's the most boring Superman villain. Like, yeah. Everyone's more interesting than a guy who can just punch forever. But I thought this was quite interesting and that i like the idea of like what if superman had had like lex to help him 
Totally. Originally, like, would he have actually died? I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, and I think that they're not really using Doomsday to be interesting. He's no, just I a know. massive threat. Yeah. You know, they, they may as well be, you know, trying to, de- like, stop an atomic bomb from detonating or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but I'd much rather that. Like, this guy's <laughs> supposed to be the guy who killed Superman, like, to throw him in as the second, like, the first villain in your second issue is a bit like... Yeah, where do you go from there? Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, if Action Comics is going to be about Lex and 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 Superman trying to be Superman, that's mm. a cool story. Yeah, that's cool. I could read like 20 issues of that for that sure. That almost sounds like the sort of reign of the Superman, like after Superman dies, there's a Clark Kent, there's a like steel equivalent. Of course, yeah, yeah. And then there's like the original Superman The cyborg back. Superman. So yeah, yeah, now we just need a Superboy and <laughs> I'll be happy. Um, cool. Um, on to uh, Detective Comics number 935 yeah. by uh, James Tinian IV and uh, is it Eddie Barrows on art? Um, <clears throat> this is the team-up book between Batwoman, uh, Red Robin, Spoiler, but she's not called Spoiler anymore, is she? She is, no, she's Spoiler. spoiler. Yeah. And uh, Orphan, who's not Bat- yes. Batgirl anymore. And Orphan. Clayface. And Clayface. Um, and uh, you get that classic, you know, they're they're all training together in a uh, virtual reality mm-hmm. thing that's somehow made out of Clayface's mud. Gross. Um, uh, and you know, she get, they get pushed too hard by Batwoman, who's leading the team. And uh, then then we kind of get a little bit of insight into uh, what's going on in Batwoman's world outside of fighting crime as she goes to visit her father. Which I think I, that was my favorite bit. Yeah, me too. I was going to say I, I really enjoyed that part. Hmm. Um, and. Uh, James Tinian writes a really good Batwoman, but also a really good Batwoman dad. Make Batman. Yeah. And I love that her dad just knows who Bruce, that Bruce Wayne is Batman and, yeah. uh, you know, is, is completely aware of her fight as Batwoman. Um, I still don't think that this threat that they're all facing is interesting. Um, we see the Batman colony, come, the colony. Yeah. We see Batman come, come, come head to head with them at the end of the issue. Mm. Um, I'd much rather just, you know, have, you know, them doing low, low, like low stakes crime stuff as as they Agreed. find their feet as a team first. But I would also much rather it be a book that Batman wasn't that involved in. Yes. You know, like have it be the team led by Batwoman, not like the team led by Batwoman and then mostly about Batman. Yeah, like, well he kind of he kind of just has like a C plot in this book, which is yeah. weird. Like he just kind of feels tacked on, but mm. I'm sure it will I hope it isn't like they're all they all have to band together to rescue Batman or something in like mm. the third issue. It doesn't yeah, it doesn't feel like they've earned that yet. But No. But there's some like there's some I Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I quite like the art in this. Yeah, that's great. What did you think of... um in the corner of a few of the um, monologue parts, you see the like little, a like, painted yeah, face. more painted version of it. I the- quite liked that. I thought that was sort of a. It was a little bit odd, but there were a couple of things in this that I liked. Like I like the sort of some of the panel layouts. Like he does a couple of panel panels in the shape of like a bat symbol, mm. which feels very like sort of nineties Batman to me. And I quite liked the little painted faces. I thought it was a bit of a. I don't know how much it added, but yeah. it didn't make me mad. Totally. <laughs> um, do we get the new Batgirl before? Um- before this, before like, is that this week? The new Batgirl? I think so. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. Written by Hope Larson and Raphael Albuquerque on art. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. I'm I'm, re- I'm really enjoying all this new DC, DC stuff. Like, yeah, I have to say. Overall, I'm, I'm I'm reading a few things that I'm like I'm not really the biggest fan of this, but I'll keep reading. I'm mm. absolutely not. There's nothing that I'm like oh fuck this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, but I'm sure it's coming around the corner. Scott Lobdell is doing the Teen Titans book, so Boo. there's that. Um, <sighs> cool. Back to Marvel now um, for Sam Wilson, Captain America number ten. Uh, dealing with Rhodey. The um, death of Rhodey. War Machine has died in... Uh, everyone pretending that everyone actually dies in comic books. Yeah, and uh, they're, they're having his um, funeral at a... Uh, is it, I think it's like a, a black church. Yeah, I guess. Um, and again, this... So this is like... Uh, look, I, 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 I had thought this issue was strange. I thought it was... It was it had a nice sentiment to it, for sure. It's written by Nick Spencer, art by Angel Unzueta. And... Yeah, Nick Spencer is writing this comic. Nick Spencer is a white guy. Yeah. I think it's good that he, you know, tries to write this from a black point of view. Yeah, and he's like, I think a thing that I, you know, a lot of people sometimes find quite difficult with Nick Spencer, but I do really like is that he brings his own politics and his own agenda into his comics. And I always think, might as well get someone's perspective. Sure. You know? um, but, but there is an element of like, he, we were saying before, is he the right person to be writing this? So, of? yeah, uh, Captain America meets... Um, a, a handful of prominent black superheroes in the Marvel Universe. So you've got Misty Knight, Black Panther, Luke Cage, Storm. Um, is that Monica Rambeau? Um, uh, Nick Fury and uh, and Voodoo. Um, and uh, they're all together in, in like meeting before the service. All and they kind of push. I guess it's like I don't know, Luke thinks it's important that they all meet as a group of black superheroes before. Mm before they ha- have the funeral and, and you know, they kind of decide who's going to be do- giving the eulogy. It's decided that it's going to be Cap. And look, the, the lovely sentiment point of this is that like, you know, War Machine was important because he was a, a, a black superhero that other young black people could look to, could aspire towards. And that's certainly what Falcon did. Or sorry, Sam Wilson did before he was Captain America. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I like maybe he just was I, like uh, there was nothing in this that I found cringy. I just no. I, there was I, I, there was an odd feeling as I read it that maybe he sh- he should have asked a a black writer to write this with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that said, like you know, he did it. He did a pretty good job of doing it. But I just uh, I don't I don't know if this is just, this is this is my hang-ups more than anything. No, but. like I mean, I agree. Like I think it's 
I don't think it's like I mean it would be ludicrous to assume that you know you have to write for exactly your demographic all the time and I think Nick Spencer does a really good job of sensitively handling a lot of potentially difficult things but for example Bitch Planet this week which I caught up on which was really really good introduced a couple of trans characters and so Kelly Sue DeConnick worked with a number of trans writers to make sure that she was being make make sure that she was representing them correctly you know Mm. um and I think I think it's maybe something that was missing a little bit from this book. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Marvel, uh, uh, elsewhere at Marvel, they've been doing incredible um, collaborations. Um, and we could be talking about two of those books later. We may as well talk about them now. Mm. <coughs> um, Power Man and Iron Fist um, is, and uh, also Night Mask, both written and drawn by a black creative team. Um, mm. And the authenticity in though in their voices behind both those books is 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 amazing. Absolutely. Really, really strong. And... and, and, and uh, I think that's what was lacking from, and maybe this is just me knowing that Nick Spencer is white. Maybe if, you know, like yeah. I, I don't know. Look, maybe this is something I should stop thinking about. But I thought this is like Captain America number ten was was not a bad issue at all. No, not a bad issue, but it is a funeral issue. Yeah, so it's not like it's not an action packed issue. Rule rage, rage shows up at the rage end. rage shows up at the end, and there's a and there's a um you know a new police force of America robots that are pretty much targeting black youths. So, you know, there's that too. And, and all of that racial politics stuff, Nick Spencer writes really well. Yeah. But it's this heart, heartfelt black hero element in this that I just, yeah, I, I just, I, I felt uneasy knowing that he was the one that wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. No, anyway. I agree. It's a, it's a difficult thing. And it's also an element of like, it's great that, you know, Marvel are having more racial diversity in terms of their characters, but that should extend to their writers as well. And if you're going to have a really prominent black hero being Captain America, there is an element of like, why didn't you ask a... Why didn't you ask a black person to write? Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got, um, uh, sorry, uh, David F. Walker is the writer on both Nighthawk. Sorry, I said Nightmask a a while ago. That's a completely different Marvel character. Uh, David Walker writes Pyro Man and Iron Iron Fist. And and David F. Walker writes Nighthawk. Yeah. Do you reckon they're two different Walkers? David F. Walker and David Walker? I don't know. This is very, very confusing. Maybe because Nighthawk's like an extreme comic, the F stands for like fucking extreme, yeah, fucking Walker. Um, it would have been nice to have seen his name on 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 the, uh, yeah. the Sam Wilson Captain America comic as well. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's tokenistic. I don't know. I'll shut up. <laughs> um, Nighthawk number two, uh, written by David F. Walker, um, and art by uh, Ramon Villalobos. Um, it's this, a great issue, dude. Like we we sung the praises of number one, mm. and this comic was. It's everything that I want a Punisher comic to be. Absolutely. I think this issue was even better than number one for me. I mean, oh man, the colors are so, so good. Who's doing the colors? Uh, Tamara Bonvillain. Tamara Bonvillain. What a good name. It's amazing. Um, Yeah, amazing. Really great job. I love his supporting cast of characters that they're building up. They all feel really sort of genuinely useful and like they represent a purpose in his life i think that it's developing his character in a really compelling way that i wasn't expecting yeah um it's a great story with you know realistic issue at its heart and set in set in chicago which is very very different kind of change up for for a marvel comic Mm -hmm. um where you know and i guess kind of one of the the more crime capitals of america as Mm. well at the moment so there are yeah the the, the real world tie-in is is really really you know adds to the believability of this he's uh he's i don't know he's i guess you would Compare him to um, uh, what's the um, gay Batman at DC? Midnighter. Midnighter. Um, yeah, yeah. He's like a very he's more aggressive Batman with kind of more futuristic tech. 
And with a bird theme as opposed to a bat theme. That's true. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, I don't know, I love, and I love that, like, like Ramon Villalobos, his, his art is so good. But oh. I've heard lots of people cr- criticizing, saying that it's too cartoony for um, such a heavily themed book, which I completely yeah, disagree with. I massively disagree with it. I think his, while his art is cartoony, it's got that real sort of, uh, like, texture and grit to it that I feel really suits the sort of ultra violence and all that in the book. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and it's like it definitely has like that, you know, familiarity to like Frank quietly. But it, there mm-hmm. is a, it is a bit of more of a kind of cool street edge. Like I love that he draws like Yeezys on yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on Nighthawk and like just like funny little touches like that. Like he's and def- it's, a, it's a point that um sorry I keep cutting you off, but um that's fine. That's what podcasts are for. <laughs> but, um, um, I'm trying to think of what his name is, but he works at Image Comics and he's a African American. David Brothers is his name, but he has always said, like, people can't draw black hair. And I think this is, like, a great example. Like, this is a proper, like, they have fades and, like, it looks like real, real African-American hair. I love the art. I love the writing. I love yep. this. I love this story. I feel like I hope more people are reading this. Because yeah, it's me a too. character that I wasn't familiar with at all until I read number one. Um, and uh, I just, I can't wait to see where this story goes. And I hope, it, I would love to see this character in more of the, even though I love that this is very much his own story, mm. his own world, I would love to see him integrate more with uh, with Marvel stuff post-Civil War Two. Yeah. I don't want to see him in that. No, absolutely not. But yeah, guys, you should be picking this up. It's a great series. And it's only on issue two, and I'm pretty sure we've still got issue one on the shelves. Yeah, very, very good. Um, Power Man and Iron Fist number five, written by David Walker and art by Flaviano. Mm. Um, filling in for... Um, is it Stanford Green? His name? I don't know. Yeah, yes, that's a yes, regular artist. Right. Um, uh, so this is the this is like a one shot following the first story arc, and it's uh, basically about like Power Man and Iron Fists, like their first kind of team up mm-hmm. after Luke Cage accepts that he's going to be doing fighting crime with Iron Fist again, um, and it's told from different perspectives, and using the arc of uh, like a, a call in radio show. So people are calling in. To this radio show, um, which has a real uh, do the right thing vibe to it, um, calling in and basically like telling their perspective of, of, of uh, Power Man and Iron Fist uh, beating up a, a bad guy who I've never heard of before called like a uh, uh, Manslaughter Marsdale is his name. <laughs> it's a good, he, it's a good name. It's a good character. And the fight involves hot dogs and teeth getting kicked out, <coughs> and um, finally ends with a. Uh, with um, Power Man and Iron Fist actually visiting the radio station themselves. Um, this is just like really, really amusing, really well-written, just really well-crafted story. Yeah. And I mean, I, I have a penchant for, I love one-shots. Absolutely. I think like, you know, it's one thing to write an ongoing, you know, which is definitely difficult to do for sure. But I feel like there's more of a challenge in writing a perfect one-shot, like Absolutely. 24 pages and just that's, you know, you have to tell the story from start to finish and have it wrap up really nicely. And there's something like amazing about a comic that even if it is part of an ongoing series, you can still read the whole issue and it makes sense. Like I think that's something that's missing in a lot of superhero comics at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this is a great example of like still maintaining the ongoing story, but you know you get you get a complete story in this issue, and it's yeah. really good fun. And Flaviano draws like the cuddliest um, Luke Cage of all time. I love. Which I love. I love Luke Cage's beard in this. Yeah, as well. I love his yeah. beard, and it, yeah. And his stature is so huge. Yeah. And, you know, excellent. It's yeah. amazing. This is, this is one of the best comics Marvel putting out at the moment. Yeah. I think. It's yeah. one that perfectly balances story and, and humor. 
Absolutely. It's probably like, it's one of those ones that I probably wouldn't automatically think of as being on the top of my list, yeah. but I enjoy it so much every yeah. month. Like, and to the point where I, I uh, you know, I don't, this is like a joke a minute, but I don't get tired of it. No, no, not at all. Yeah. It's a really good, really good series. One yeah. of, it's gonna, probably going to be my, my favorites of the year for sure. Absolutely. Very much agree. Uh, Doctor Strange, number nine. <clears throat> uh, this is Last Days of Magic, part four, the penultimate uh, issue from this story. Uh, involving Doctor Strange uh, taking on scientific beings who are trying to rid the the universe of magic and him and a, and a group of uh, magic-powered heroes from the Marvel Universe trying to collect as many ma- magical artifacts as they can to face them one last stand. Um, this is... I've, I've been in kind of two minds of uh, Jason Aaron's... Um, Doctor Strange run, mm-hmm. and I was pretty gutted to get this issue when, uh, and we also, but unfortunately, Jason Aaron's other title yeah. at Marvel, Thor, didn't ship to King's Comics this week. So what the hell, Diamond? Yeah, for Christ's sakes, Diamond. Um, but uh, look, this was actually, I think, one of the better issues of this series so far. And um, I agree. And uh, probably got me pretty invested in in the finale. Um, I just love the magic characters. Um, you know, that was the best part of Civil War 2, that first issue, was all the magic characters banding together to do some magic shit. Yeah, that's really fun. I love magic teams. Um, I like this issue. Like, I mean, I think there's always a case... Like, I really do like Chris Pacello, but there is a case of sometimes he is not the greatest storyteller and there are moments where it's quite sort of... Vague. ...jarring or confusing what's going on on I, panel. Um, I, I think this issue was a lot stronger from him, actually, um, yeah. than the last few have been. And all the stuff set in the sort of Tibet kind of Kunlun yeah. area or whatever was great. But I got very excited because the last um, the last issue, the last page of this issue shows off the cover for the next one, which is drawn by Kevin Nowlin. Mm. And uh, man, it looks like a, a real rugged, swashbuckling Doctor Strange. I'm yeah. really, really excited to see this one wrap up. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm keen for this this story to end and Doctor Strange to do something a bit more grounded and fun. Yeah, I agree. I Ho- agree. It's been like, I, I haven't disliked this Hugely, but it's not been the most compelling Doctor Strange story Definitely. of all time. It's uh, crazy though that um, Jason Aaron has got to be what the big, besides Bendis, the biggest writer working at Marvel right now, mm. and uh, neither of his books are tying into Civil War. Mm. Two Civil War Two. That probably says good things about his books. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, the last Marvel book I read this week. You read it too. Yeah, I did. Oh, you read Scarlet Witch too, but uh, yeah. Uncanny Avengers number ten, Ultron Reborn. I read heaps more than you. Jeez. Yeah, well, I, was, I had a holiday. <laughs> Give me a break. Oh, wait, I just have one. Um, <laughs> Uncanny Avengers, um, this is all about, written by Jerry Duggan and art by um, Pepe Larraz. Fantastic name. Mm. Um, Hank Pym has returned and he has uh, merged with Ultron, or has he? It's this a great comic, idea. This comic uh, finds out if he's telling the truth or not. And uh, as you can imagine, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely, of all the Avengers books now, I think I'm enjoying this one the most, so. Yeah, I mean, I think I haven't really been reading this especially, so I I wasn't especially invested, and I'm, uh, yeah. I mean, why would you trust a Hank Pym, Ultron, With Ultron thing. robot, because, you, know? you know? Everyone loves Hank Pym, right? He never did anything wrong. Yeah, no, he's everyone's um, favorite. Deadpool makes one cameo in this, mm. and makes a joke about Half-Life 3. I just thought that was just, like, a bit too goddamn on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> uh... But yeah, um, actually no, Deadpool does a bigger role with this as, as it continues. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like it says a lot about uh, the Avengers, the state of the Avengers books at the moment, where a book that I thought was okay is easily my favorite Avengers book coming yeah, out right now. Yeah, isn't it funny how like 
but I mean, how are they going to follow Hickman's Avengers run? Like, really, it was so strong, and he tied everything up so nicely, and it was such a perfect thing on its own. And um, yeah, now I don't know. It's just kind of fallen apart a little bit without him I don't know. steering I, the ship. We have three completely separate Avengers titles, and two of them feel very similar. This one and on your different, and then yeah. the other one just doesn't feel like an Avengers book at all. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think I would have liked to have seen them give give two Avengers books to um to the same writer, like like Hickman had on mm. Kenny Avengers and, and the regular Avengers book. And they kind of have with Al Ewing doing New Avengers and The Ultimates, which may as well be an Avengers book. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the closest thing we're getting. Oh, we should talk about The, the Ultimates. Where's yeah, that? did you read The Ultimates? I did read that. Ah, that was a great issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimates number eight. Um, you know what has been like, because I quite like Kenneth Rockefeller. I have liked him for quite a few years. But this feels like he's really coming into his oh, own as an artist now. Like, this is yeah, much yeah, more mature. Absolutely. And is, he's doing fucking really beautiful work. Shouts to you swearing finally instead of me. <laughs> uh, written by Al Ewing, of course. Um, Ultimates has been a, a book about um, a, a team comprised of um, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Spectrum, Blue Marvel, and Ms. America teaming up to take on uh, more space and, and uh, just massive threats and try and bop them on, on the head before they become a threat. Mm-hmm. Of course, that is why um, Carol led a team that bumped into Thanos, um, mm-hmm. which led to the death of Rhodey. Um, and this kind of deals with the formation of the Ultimates and why they were formed and introduces us to a shadowy suit-wearing figure behind it all. I love um, it. Which is excellent. Always a great, great, great Always thing great. to, to uh, add to a story. Because of Maxwell Lord. Definitely. Um, and uh, But then it goes on to kind of, and I started to groan when I realized this is what we're doing. They show the zero issue of Civil War Two from a different viewpoint. Mm. But it's Way more captivating and way interesting more. than Bendis' writing. And that last page is um, more exciting than anything that's happening in Civil War Two. Um, remind me what that, what's happening in that. What's happening in the last page? The implication that, you know, they've, they've caught Thanos, but Thanos intended to be caught. Yeah, that's right. My yeah. move. Um, yeah, so are we going to see Thanos show up in Civil War Two, or is, it just gonna, is, is Thanos just going to be a character in ult- the Ultimates? I, I hope know. it just stays in the Ultimates. I hope... Yeah. Yeah, I hope this is like the weird tie-in. This is, I hope this is all we get. Mm. Yeah, because the thing I don't really mind. You know, the 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 event that that happened in 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 Civil War mm. Two. I mean, I hate the the fallout of it, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, there are definitely good stories to be told from it. And hopefully, Ultimates is a, is a prime example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it looks like Galactus is coming back next issue too. And, uh, nice. As we know, Galactus is no longer the uh, planet sucking asshole. He's now the life giver. Yeah, pretty exciting. Nice guy. I'm excited. Um, I also read, I read a couple more, um, that you didn't get to. So I read, um, Scarlet Witch this week, which I've been really, really enjoying. Um, written by James so Robinson. So nice, so nice to enjoy a James Robinson comic <laughs> again. Um, and this has art by Annie Wu, who I love from, um, she worked on Archie and also on, um, the latest Black Canary run. Mm-hmm. And she brings some really cool stuff into this. Um, and they bring in, this is sort of. Uh, further adventures of Scarlet Witch in Hong Kong with this character called the Wu, who I think is really flipping cool, and I hope shows up heaps more because she's like this badass sort of magic cop, and she oh, has yeah, magic course, in her guns. Right. Oh, she's in this now. Yeah, she's in this because she showed up in um in the last days of magic one show. Yeah, yep. exactly. Um, so that's really cool, and this has them taking down a sort of um half gangster, half um sort of mystical oh, villain so and this it's really cool it's a really cool team up and men maybe they go on a date at the end which I think is very exciting oh cool um, um, but yeah great so we, great we, 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 we brought up the timely comics um, 
thing that Marvel mm. doing at the moment. They collect the first three issues of these new runs um, and, and sell them at a very low low price. I bought I got the Scarlet Witch one of that this week, which I'll read this now. But I know that the first few issues of this run were almost like one and done. She goes to a different place. Pretty much happen. every issue has been. So this, this is, is still continuing, hasn't? Yeah, yeah, right. With like a very vague kind of connection to the next story. Yeah, it's all. It's basically the concept is her. Um, she's building a new life for herself, and in a desire to atone for her past wrongs, she is using her abilities to help people by solving magical crimes. So they're pretty much like individual little stories, which is. Again, delightful to read a whole issue contained in one. Like, yeah. That's very, very nice. Um, and it has like it has an ongoing sort of theme of like witchcraft is broken and she has to fix it. And also every time she casts a spell, she ages. So it's got a little bit of sort of ongoing ticking clocks, but um, a great standalone issue by itself. And Annie Woo is such so a talent. Yeah, She's wow. so good. She's Put her so on good. I love something. Her. Get it. Steal her, Marvel. Steal yeah. her forever. Put her on a magic book. Put her on a magic team book. Perfect. I'd read that. Um, what else did you read? Um, I also read Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, so which was a great issue. So Moon Girl has finally, she tried to escape the um, Terrigen Mist for a long time, but she finally was caught and emerged, seemingly not changed, except that now she keeps accidentally mind-swapping with Devil Dinosaur. So she's stuck in this big dinosaur body, and he is running around her classroom going, Rah! and eating everything. <laughs> um, so really, really funny, great art. I really enjoy this series, and I'm excited to see like how her new power develops and how she figures out to use it. It's really, really good. Um, yeah, the artist Natasha Bustos is really, really good, and the uh, uh, it's written by Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader. And they're, they're knocking it out of the park. Really enjoying this book. Amazing. It's a great one for little girls. Um, or little boys. Um, I also read, I read the Totally Awesome Hulk issue 7, which I haven't read any issues of. And I don't even know how it ended up in my pile. But uh, I still read it. Alan Davis did artwork on this one, though, didn't he? Yeah. He did all the uh, Young Avengers stuff? Yeah, it's very um, Mark Bagley. Right. It's got that vibe, which I don't especially like. Um, and this is all sort of... This is more about Banner and how he starts living his life now that he is free of the Hulk curse because Amadeus Cho cured him and took on the Hulk and now he's like, I'm way better at this because I can control it. And so Banner's like, oh, I, I don't have the Hulk anymore. Um, and so he just starts doing a bunch of really crazy dangerous stuff because he can because he's not going to Hulk out. And he right. keeps scaring people so he's in a casino like playing and counting cards and everyone's too scared to tell him to go because they're scared he's going to hulk out because he's like I'm Bruce Banner huh um, and then at the end um, Iron Man comes up to him and is like why are you trying to kill yourself what's going on and it's sort of like this uh, big emotional beat and it's all about how no matter how far he gets away and even though he's cured he'll never escape the terrible things he's done as the Hulk so it was actually it was it was a pretty good banner issue I liked does it does that end with Tony and Bruce hugging yeah it does that's lovely Tony just like steps out of his suit so that he can have a real a real flesh hug as well so oh, that's nice that's amazing while his Delightful. shell hangs behind him yeah <clears throat> um, I, I'm curious to see if they're going to let Bruce have this moment for a while yeah or we are going to see him return to the Hulk moniker for Civil War 2 as it was teased Mm. In uh, the second issue, I, I really hope not. they just let him be Bruce yeah, for a while. I hope let him be Bruce for a little while. Um, I also read the latest issue of Ms. Marvel, which definitely explicitly ties into Civil War Two. Um, it's got a little bit of background about her family, which is really lovely, and sort of gives you a bit of context into the way that um, she was raised, which is nice. It's got um, art by Takeshi Miyazawa and Adrian Alfona, so it's really nice. Like while it's different from Adrian Alfona's solo art, it definitely keeps the through line and is really lovely. Um, it's just still a good issue. Even though it ties into Civil War Two, still a good issue. So Captain Marvel is, is she portrayed as a bad person in this one? Or? No, it's like she goes and talks to um, 
Captain Marvel comes and talks to Ms. Marvel and tells her, like, okay, this is happening, like, whatever. Mm. Um, and then, but, you know, Ms. Marvel's friends and people that she respects in her sort of day-to-day life as Kamala start talking about the issue and sort of not agreeing with Captain Marvel. And she's sort of like, whoa, what do I do? And so she's, you know, acting on things that Ulysses has told her, but then feeling quite sort of conflicted about that. And I think it's quite an interesting, actually good way of looking at the the issue. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I, it's a good tie-in. I wish that, like, you know, there are all these people that are, that are capable of t- doing good tie-ins to, mm. to a shitty event. I wish that they were able to work alongside Brent Benders to make yeah. the event better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, over at Image, I read issue 11 of Rumble by John Acuti and James Harron with Dave Stewart on colours. Um, I was very satisfied with the how issue 10 ended as, as an end of an entire series. Mm. So I was like, I probably won't read this anymore. Um, it's a, basically a book about um, a, a demon who returns to Earth. His soul returns to Earth in search of his body um, so he may rule the underworld again. Um, and uh, uh, I picked this up, though, because um, Andrew McLean, who did uh, our beloved Headlopper series, did the cover art on this one, and it is spectacular. Um, so I gave I gave this book a shot, and I really, really liked this issue. Um, basically, it kind of, it kind of sets up what everyone else on Earth is doing, um, and is less about the demon side of things um, for the most part. Um, you have the main character who's dealt with his mother coming out of a coma for the first time in three years and um, what happens next after that. Uh, yeah, this is like, a, it's a very strange series. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how many people are reading it, but um, the art's fantastic and, and it has a very, very unique tone of voice. Mm. Um, so if, if you loved uh, the stuff that John Acuti's done over at Dark Horse or you just like, you know, fun, kind of funny, supernatural themed comics, this is a, a good one for you. Is it a good place to jump in as no, well? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much going on. I mean, I've read every issue and I had no idea what was happening in some parts. So yeah, mm. you, might, you might get the hang of it. Yeah. Um, over at Image, I read, as I mentioned before, Bitch Planet issue eight, um, which is like, yeah, still astonishingly good, like such good pure grindhouse comics um, with a really explicit feminist message, which is really good fun. The art by Valentine Delandro is excellent. Really, like, it's so <laughs> so exciting to see a variety of female faces and like physiques in a comic book because um, this really does, you know, it, it's it's got everyone in the it. The layouts are so good. The layouts they? are so yeah. good. Um, and the storytelling is really excellent and it just continues to be really compelling. So if you haven't um, heard of this book, it's it's really massive in sort of female geek communities, the sort of non-compliant um, logo. Lots of women have um, tattooed on themselves now. Oh, wow. it's, a, it's a really big deal and it's a great series. And if you like Grindhouse comics, um, if you like feminism, I highly recommend checking out The First Trade because it's really good. Um, and I also checked out Black Road issue three. Which was good. Still good. Yeah. Brian Wood's uh, almost like continuation of Northlanders. Yeah. A Viking comic. Um, I, 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 I didn't get around to reading quite a few comics this week. And uh, Black Road, unfortunately, was one of them. As was uh, Power Rangers, which you definitely didn't read either. Nope. Um, depth. Did you read the new Depth um, by Matt sure Kent? I did. And Charlene Kent? Yeah, I did. Uh, but I put it back on the shelf because we were running low. But it is, um, yeah, really good issue. Still remains excellent. It's it's a, one of those ones where I think I, I think I sort of know where the narrative is going and then every issue totally throws me in a different direction and I love it. I think it's excellent. Um, and finally, uh, the latest um, new arc for James Bond, um, written by Warren Ellis, um, 
Edelon, I guess is the name of the new arc. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting into that. And the first volume quality. of the first volume of the James Bond um, Vaga. just came out in hardcover, which I have borrowed but haven't read yet. Highly recommend it, guys. Yeah. Even if you're not that big of a James Bond fan, if you're just more of a good comics fan, it's a really, really great action series um, and extremely well written. If you don't, if you've never thought that James Bond was cool, you will love Warren Ellis's depiction of him. Mm. And now to a book that we both definitely read, because Yay. how could we miss an issue of this? Um, this is uh, Archie Number 9 by Mark Wade with Veronica Fish on art. Um, I, this, I, every month I say this might be my favorite issue of Archie so far, and I would say the same thing about this one. Oh, man, so much, so many sort of emotional moments in this. Yeah. Um, really, really just consistently so good gets the real like teen angst element excellently and also like i've never really cared much about archie's parents in, in, in all, all, all you know the love Arch- fred and i've forgotten his exactly last name. exactly but they're so good in this <laughs> yeah like, they're, yeah they're, they're such a i don't know he's just really building such a great town and it's just tragic to think that mark wade is going to leave this book soon i know but if we I have was, to have faith that the archie machine know what they're doing and yeah i just they haven't blown all their money on wade and don't have kind of afford like a rider as yeah have they announced who's coming on next i can't even think they don't even know um uh, yeah there's a lot of (laughs) there's some really sweet moments in this is sort of um because archie can no longer hang out at veronica's house veronica now is going to hang out at his house so she starts by trying to make archie's house into you know make it more lodge yeah. Lodge ready, lodge worthy. So brings in a huge TV and all of this sort of no, fancy stuff that no one can deal so with. Excited about it. Yeah, there's some great gags in this, like um, Archie kind of t- talking about how um, Veronica's dad doesn't approve of him, and then you see Archie's dad like building this impenetrable fortress <laughs> around his house, and then like bringing in bees and lasers <laughs> and a shark <laughs> and snipers. So so Archie kind of approach is really funny. Uh, yeah. And just, a beautiful, a really heartbreaking Betty moment. Ooh, it's yeah, because so sad. This, I mean, this whole book has been about Archie and Veronica, and we haven't, you know, we know that Be- they were, they, Betty and Archie had a relationship before the, uh, this story that we're reading. But um, yeah, it's it's good to kind of see them. Yeah, I'm, I'm so emotionally messed. I just felt myself getting really genuinely angry because I'm like, but why does he even like Veronica? <laughs> like the whole way through, the only thing that he says, and I, I like there's there's a really sweet Veronica moment in this where she's really upset because she's never been shopping in a supermarket before and she's trying to help out. She's like, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> um, but the whole way through, Archie's like, yeah, she's just really hot. And I'm like, but Betty's like, Betty's the best. Yeah. Um. Also in the back, when they always put in a classic um, classic Archie comic, there's a really great one by Harry Lucy, who's one of my all-time favorite Archie artists. And the way Mark Wade talks about him in the, the preamble is exactly why you should love Harry Lucy, because every, every pose is the most extreme and the most engaging and the most right, electric, sure. and he was just the funniest. Yeah. Great. His Archie's always full of life and amazing. These, these Archie single issues are, are so worth, worth, so worth, worth the money, it. aren't they? Yeah. yeah, it's so nice when you're actually rewarded for buying a single issue rather than just punished with a million ads. <laughs> um, you read a stack more. Anything else you're going to bring up as notable? Um, only only Divinity, um, Divinity 2, issue 3, which is Over the Valiant. Valiant series written by Matt Kint with art by Trevor Hairseen. Um, continues to just be so, so good, so fun. Um, crazy Soviet... Cold War time travel madness, and it's just amazing. Mm. I really highly recommend it. It's very difficult to explain um, if you haven't read any of the Divinity comics, but I definitely, I definitely recommend. And in the back, you get some cool commentary by um, the letterer, 
and they do that in the like the last issue also had commentary by the colorist um so that's quite fun seeing a couple of page breakdowns and that sort of thing Amazing. i always enjoy that cool i'm looking forward to catching up on that one too um that is the end of our single issue mm-hmm. run through. We've got some uh, some trades and hardcovers to review as well. But first, I thought we would go through what you should be picking up this week. Um, there is a new book by Eric Powell, famous for The Goon, called mm-hmm. Hillbilly, coming out through a publisher called Albatross Funny Books. Uh, why are nice. they bigger? <laughs> it's a great name. Um, and uh, Mark Millar's Jupiter's Legacy 2 begins over at Image with uh, Frank Quietly on art. That's exciting. Um, we also get the fifth issue, fifth and final issue of Worst X-Men Ever. Nice. Um, which I'm so excited to see end. We get the second issue of Captain America Steve Rogers, so we can finally find out if he's actually a Nazi or not. Get ready for internet outrage. <laughs> um, also, I'm excited for the first issue of Jade Street Protection Services through Black Mask. I read a couple of pages of a preview that they had online at Comic Book Resources, and it looks really fun. It's like a school for magical girls. Amazing. And it's written by an, uh, a writer called Katie Rex, who I've not heard from before. No, I'm not familiar, but um, yeah, looks really good fun. Um, we also finally get um, Black Panther number three. Yay. See that uh, that run continue and um, a collection of DC superhero girls. Yay. If you are looking forward to uh, reading the the adventures of a young Wonder Woman, Batgirl, Poison Ivy, Harley Holly. Quinn, and, Bumblebee. and many more DC Everyone's superhero girls Titan, hanging Bumblebee. out at school. Real fun. Yeah, real good fun. Um, it's cool. So we read uh, quite a few uh, hardcover books and pet trades this week. Um, I'll start with one that we both read, mm-hmm. uh, written by, adapted actually, um, by an old Neil Gaiman short story, um, was adapted by two of our favourite artists, uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Barr, two twin brothers living in Brazil. Um, they are so good at adaptations as well. Have you read Two Brothers? Yes. Fucking amazing. Yeah, really, really great. It's out through Dark Horse, uh, who published Two Brothers as well. Um, it's called How to Talk to Girls at Parties. And it starts off with a really grounded, familiar scenario. Um, two young schoolboys, uh, like you know, school school age teenagers, mm, and it seems almost like autobiographical. You know, like- absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're on the way. You know, one of them is really great at talking to girls, and the other one is terrible. And he's dragging the terrible one over to a party where there's going to be lots of girls. And um, you know, he kind of convinces his his you know less confident friend to come along with him, and then they get there, and there's only girls at this party. <clears throat> but there's oh, something. God. Something is a bit strange about these girls, and uh, you kind of see see how these different girls act, um, and and the reactions from the less confident boys. He tries to talk to these p- potentially alien beings, mm. but just kind of acts as if all girls are like that. Yeah, it's so fun. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the like slow, slow process of the boys realizing that not women women aren't aren't like scary aliens, yeah. and them trying to keep up conversations with like crazy nonsense and just being like. Ah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Can we make out? It's um, pretty funny. This is uh, definitely the fantastical. It starts out the, gra- the grounded Gaiman and then works its way to the fantastical side of Manuel Gaiman mm-hmm. with an ending that is fairly open ended. You can kind of figure out what happened mm-hmm. in, in your own head. And I kind of, you know, it's good to read a book like that every now and then. Absolutely. Um, I loved the art by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Barr. Yeah. I and mean, it goes without saying, they're just two of the best artists. Like, Everything from, you know, like, you know, really simple buildings in the background just mm-hmm. so expertly kind of designed and the interiors of, of, of the place where the parties are is, is, is thrilling. Mm. Uh, but then the, 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 where they really excel at is drawing drawing people, especially women. Yeah. He, they, like, he do, they just draw such uniquely beautiful women. Yeah. And, and you really feel for the, the less confident character when he's breathless mm. due to the beauty of these women um, and... 
yeah, I don't know. I just thought, thought it was just so great. The colors in it are amazing. This is a I don't, this is a no brainer. I think if you I just agree. want to read a really unique um, book, um, it's it's quite relatively short, less than a hundred pages. Um, just a great great adaptation of a short story yeah, by, absolutely. by one it's... of the best comic book writers and two of the best comic book artists. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a must for Neil Gaiman fans. Um, and, it, and it has the uh, obligatory, hey, non-comic book readers, this is for real book readers yeah. too, <laughs> quote from Juno Diaz. He's like the go-to. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> it used to be Michael, Michael Chabon, yeah. but now it's uh, Juno Diaz. Yeah. <laughs> um, one that I read, which I'd actually, um, I'd read the first part of, but hadn't actually ever finished, was um, ID by Emma Rios, who's an incredibly talented comic book um, writer. It was originally serialized in Ireland, oh, Randy great. Graham's cool, image. Um, thing. So it's cool to see them reprinting some of that stuff because there have been... For schmucks know. like me that have missed a few issues of the island, definitely. Um, this is like... Oh, man, this is incredibly beautiful. Um, the illustrations are all in a sort of... Rather than a grey scale, like a red scale. Everything's sort of done in these sort of pink and um, pink and reds, which is very unique and very cool. Her art is incredibly beautiful. And the concept is it's a sort of near-future sci-fi, which I always quite enjoy... Um, and it sort of plonks you in the middle of the story without feeling the need to tell you everything about why this universe is different. Um, but it's it's a time in which you can do brain transplants, basically. If you want a new body, you can you can get a new body. But it comes with like real risks and real 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 potential problems. And it follows three people who are all trying to get new bodies for their various reasons. One who is a man trapped in a woman's body and wants to be wants to feel like a real man um a uh journalist who wants to find out for his own reasons to really properly find the story and an author who feels she's getting too old um it's just it's very very good yeah cool that sounds awesome and again the 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 striking red of this is, Mm. uh, is, is is fantastic yeah, it's a very unique book, and I I really loved it. I think Emma Rios is one of the editors alongside Brandon Graham. Of, yeah, of, uh, I think the so. Island, so. They work together quite a lot. Obviously, they'll probably prioritize releasing their their books. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, I want to talk about Dark Knight, a true Batman story. I'm so um, bummed I missed this. We, we can, sold we out borrow, so we can, fast. We can borrow mine. Yeah, um, this was this came out last week during uh, which we called Batman Week, mm-hmm. where lots of Batman titles came out, and this is probably the, the the crown, the jewel in the crown, whatever the fuck the saying is, <clears throat> written by Paul Dini, who is. Arguably one of the you know top five most famous Batman writers, even though he hasn't done that many comics, he's more f- most famous for writing the uh, multi award winning episodes of Batman the Animated Series, mm-hmm. and more recently the uh, all the Arkham games. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote the plots for Arkham uh, Asylum and Arkham City. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, huh. uh, and uh, he, alongside um, artist Eduardo Riso, most famous for his work with Azarello, like a hundred bullets. Um, uh, he tells an autobiographical story about a night that he was mugged um, while he was working for Warner Brothers, writing 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 Batman stories. Um, he w- he was mugged in in uh, in L.A. Um, one night. He's you know kind of paints the picture of him not being in a good place anyway. And then on top of that, he gets mugged um, and like you know basically there's absolute shit beat out of him actually, and you know he needs surgery and that kind of thing. And the cops make a joke about you know what do you do. Oh, I, I write for Batman. He's like, oh, you really could have used Batman tonight, huh? Hilarious. And alongside all this, even before the the fight, he interacts with characters from the Batman universe. Mm. So they kind of interrupt his his story, or like he will pop into a scene that he's telling, and will kind of argue with what he's doing with his life, or you know why he's reacting in this way. And then you start seeing like Batman villains show up, like you know in hospital jobs and that kind of thing. And in and it's just 
like it's such a joy to read. It looks amazing. It look, art it, it looks is, really varied. Is it the same uh, yeah, artist? Yeah, it's Eduardo Arisa the whole, way through? Ad- 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 the whole way through. Who is very like you know you can normally tell mm. you can definitely tell that it's him in the, in, the, in the first few pages. But as it gets along, it, it's fantastic. It's almost like watercolor elements to what he's mm. doing. And I mean, this is this is I think this is Eduardo Arisa's best work, and I'm a massive Eduardo wow. Arisa fan. Um, there's just like he, just his depictions of some of the Batman characters. If you're a Batman fan in that regard, it's this mm. worth picking up. But as well as that, this is just a great story of, uh, you know, a, a, a successful writer admitting that he was in a shit place a long while ago, and a lot of it was to do with himself. And you know, it, it's it's very it's a very sorry tale in in, in parts, and you know, it, it, it's pretty big of of a, of a creator to kind of you know be this open about how shitty they were a while ago. Mm. Um, but like yeah, even even if you don't care about the autobiographical part of it, like there's enough here if you're just a Batman fan. That you'll enjoy this. Yeah, it um, looks amazing. As me, who just is a fan of comics, is a fan of Batman, who is a fan of stories, is a fan of you know autobiographical tales. This has just had everything in it for me. Um, yeah, it it, it 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 it. There's so much in this to like, and I really hope that this becomes one of the like you know, you know how whenever you know a big new website will do like a ten Batman books you have to read. There's mm. always you can always like guess the sit you know the the first six. Yeah, and then like the last one is always like a bit of a weirder take. I reckon this will always be like the like you know bonus. Thing, read this autobiographical Batman story as well. Yeah, let's hope so. I hope it really stays in print because um, Matt at um, Kings was telling me about a similar sort of book called um, It's a Bird, which was written by Stephen T. Siegel when mm. he was writing Superman and was dealing with the fact that he there was a sort of inherited illness in his family and how he was dealing with writing a character who was so powerful while he personally felt so powerless. And I'm really bummed out that that's out of print because that sounds like something yeah, I'd love to I, read. Yeah, it's something that's always in my watch list on eBay trying uh, to find a, a, a decently priced copy. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'll, I'll try to pull the trigger on one of those soon yeah. so we can read it. Nice. Um, so yeah, Dark Knight, the true Batman story. Um, how do you talk to girls at parties and... ID. ID all books that are worth your time, uh, provided uh, you are not already reading way too many issues as is. Um, and there's a couple of great um, trades out next week as well that I thought I'd mention quickly. The Vision, volume one of that, comes out in trade, one King. of our yep. favorite series. So um, I definitely recommend checking that out. Also the first volume of Jughead. I haven't been reading that. Chips really, really good fun. Um, something called Space Dandy, which is apparently a reprint, reprint according to Jim, but which I haven't um, Space Dandy? read. Space Dandy, Ooh. which is by the guy who, um, Shiro, Shinichiro Watanabe, who wrote, um, who created Cowboy Bebop. Oh, right. Um, so it's about, it's like a sexy space swashbuckler, but I'm totally picking that up. Also, second volume of Princess Jellyfish, which I don't think anyone cares about but me. <laughs> As reviewed in our second episode, I think. Yeah. Um, also, I want to quickly talk about, again, um, just a reminder that you should definitely buy the new DC New Frontier collection. Yeah, absolutely. That DC put out um, by Darwin Cook because it collects not only the first, like, sorry, the uh, all six issues of the New Frontier, it also collects a bonus uh, Justice League one-shot <laughs> set in the New Frontier universe that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, which I now need to. I now need to buy this. Yeah, and it has concept art and writing about it, and just like just so much to take in on this. Like, and it's, and it's like you know like a fifty dollars price point soft cover. It's really, really. It's like if you want to read, if you haven't read this book yet, this is everything you need to become the biggest fan of it. Absolutely, it, uh, it's just become the fourth format that I own this story in. <laughs> Fifth, if you include the Blu-ray uh, animated movie that I own too. So um, wow. look, it's. It, I, even even without the sad news of Darwin Cook's passing this year, it was already one of my absolute favorite um, stories of all time. And yeah. It should be on everyone's list. If you haven't read it, you really should read it. And if you go back and listen to um, when Levin's Jim and I um, talked about it following Darwin Cook's death, like, I mean, I think we talked for nearly 20 minutes just about that book because yep. it's, it is 
endlessly entertaining and endlessly compelling and it's just a really perfect superhero yeah. book. And it's all at its first run. So if you care about uh, first editions of things, you better hurry up and yeah. buy it. Yeah, get on issue. it, guys. Um, otherwise, it's probably going to be reprinted again and again and again and again. Yeah. It's the best story ever. It really is. Um, cool. That's it for this week. You can uh, find us online, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Siobhan can be found at SiobhanCBG. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm at LevDog on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can send us an email because we love hearing from you. We love getting your questions. Serious Issues at KingsComics.com. I want to give a shout out to the iFanboy podcast, which mm-hmm. is a uh, long running, like over 10 years running podcast um, uh, recorded in the States each week. Uh, I actually wrote an email into them this week and they answered it. So it's uh, pretty funny to hear my name said Cute. by those guys. <coughs> it's probably the best comic book podcast there is and definitely inspired me to start this one. Other than ours. Other than ours, sure. Obviously. Um, they actually love Serious Issues as a name. So Thanks, guys. we've got that. Yeah. Um, uh, also, I run two other podcasts, which I uh, would love for you to subscribe to as well. One of them is called Hey Fam, which is a pop culture podcast that I host with a friend called Angus Truscott. Um, and the other one is a food podcast called The Mitchin, which is coming back as a weekly podcast as of next week. So that's very exciting. Nice. Uh, finally, uh, if you like the podcast you just listen to, find us on uh, iTunes and leave us a lovely review. Uh, we've gotten quite a few in the last week or two. Yeah, and thanks, they're all guys. really positive. So thanks so much. And take that comic gremlin. <laughs> Our first ever review is uh, not a nice one. Yeah. And uh, to, anything you can do to spite him is, is, is worth your while. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.